0: Straight out the casket, rising up, Oddity Prodigy is back from the dead. Thanks for tuning back in to the official podcast of Oddity Prodigy Productions. Today we're returning to our roots to launch Season 2 and talking about comics both old and new. So it's time to relax, and you know what that means. Glass of wine, your favorite easy chair, and of course this podcast playing on your home stereo. So go on, indulge yourself, that's right, kick off your shoes, Put up your feet, lean back, and just enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back. This is the Oddity Prodigy podcast, Oddity Prodigy. My name is Jacob, and I am here with a few guests this week. We have Oddity Prodigy member Steve Myers, the creator of Super Chum, the first thing that we've published as Oddity Prodigy Productions. Uh, we also have Jeremiah Jones Goldstein, who is the mastermind behind comics, comics, comics.blog, and is also the X Factor reviewer on the Claremont to Claremont podcast. And then we also have Jason, who is from Captain Blue Hen, supporter of Oddity Prodigy. And we're all here today to talk about comics. So this is just audio, but we're watching on video as well here at home. And my brother just held up a sign to let me know that I smell. So that's how we're starting today. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go around and we're going to kind of talk about comics from our own past, some favorites from our youth, and then something that's coming out currently that we love, and just kind of kind of have a little bit of a discussion, nothing too formal. So, hi everybody, how you doing? Great, good. What's
1: going on? Doing real good.
0: So, Jason, thank you for for coming on. We've been wanting to have you on our podcast for a while. Thanks for having me. Captain Blue Hens has been our largest supporter, and we really appreciate all that. Oh, thank you, man. So how are things at Captain Blue Hens during this whole pandemic? <laughs> uh,
2: today today was our first day uh, offering curbside contactless pickup again, which is always a little weird. So two of us in the shop with gloves on and masks, uh, fogging up our glasses all day. And I don't know, part of it was a little a little bit scary, but then the other part was cool. Like I got to go outside of my house and talk to somebody else other than my family. Uh, which is really nice. And then uh, we get to see our customers a bit. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun. A lot still on the shelves from March 25th. So anybody that wants some new comics that maybe are kind of a month and a half old, but new to you, stop by the store.
0: Look, time stopped a month and a half ago. So a month and a half old might as well be yesterday.
2: It's insane. Uh, like usually when you're in a shop like this, you have a good running memory of what books came out, you know, uh, maybe like a month ago. I'd like I had nothing like trying to remember, like what March was at this point is almost as good as trying to remember, you know, my locker code from high school. So
0: I used to manage a comic shop way back in the day and we did a thing called cycles, which is where every week we went through and counted up what was left of, you know, whatever we had ordered and then put it in so we could see how much we were selling week by week. And I've been thinking about that this last month because the cycles would just have this giant ass gap in them. (laughs) But I'm glad that there's curbside pickup, and I guess new comics, there theoretically, might start coming in later May?
2: May May 20th is going to be the first week, so that's going to be a bit of a smaller week. It's not going to be an open the floodgates type thing. It's going to be like a trickle. There should be new information coming up on on our website and comichub.com and all that kind of stuff if you are curious about it. But yeah, uh, May 20th is the new new comic book day So at this point. So keep your fingers crossed. You can go out there and pre-order your comics, though, so make sure you're pre-ordering because the, the, they're... All, all the companies are getting back up and running now. So.
0: And that, that information is all on CaptainBlueHen.com, right?
2: Uh, you can find it at CaptainBlueHen.com. Uh, if you're curious and have questions and uh, you, you don't want to hunt and peck, you can go to uh, mail at CaptainBlueHen.com. Steve, you, you, uh, you're raising your hand. for <laughs> What's up, man?
1: So I saw something, I think, on Twitter or Facebook today. is like digital only. Was it an Aquaman comic? Is <sighs> it- so, <laughs> sorry. So is that a new issue or an old issue?
2: Is is that the one with one of the Sea Devils or something is in it?
1: Oh, Tempest. It's Aquaman and Tempest.
2: It's Aquaman and Tempest. I I haven't read that article. All right, so I'm I'm going to peel back the comic shop so you guys can see inside a little bit. I I know at least with Marvel, they are doing... They're taking some of the titles that are the lower tier titles, the the ones that don't sell as well as like an Avengers or a Spider-Man. And what they're doing essentially is they are finishing those series and they're finishing them as digital release only
1: yeah i heard about that
2: star is one of them matthew rosenberg's hawkeye freefall which like is killing
1: me that was the one i heard
2: ah it's killing me and and i trust me it's killing him too he used to work for, for uh, Forbidden Planet up in New York, and as soon as this all happened, he went. He took to Twitter and said, "Hey, trust me. Like the, this, this hurts me too. That it, that this can't go out single issues to to comic book shops. But with everything that's happening, it's it's a fluid and changing situation at all times. So yeah. you, you will still be able to get the content. It's out there. If you want to wait for trade, you can always wait for trade as well. But the Aquaman
1: thing—that's usually my thing—is weird. Yeah, I,
2: I'm. I, I I don't want to be the wait for trade guy, but yeah. I, I might start. And you guys will find out why later, but, uh, but yeah, man, the, the Aquaman thing and a lot of these things, like I said, it's a very fluid, uh, uh time for, for all this stuff. Publishers are still feeling things out. Yeah. And we, we just got news today, uh, that Tom Taylor, who's, uh, I, I, I like a lot of what he writes is doing his first creator thing with boom. So, really? um, that was news today it was, I think it's a book called the secret seven. So sign up for that book. Now uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to toot uh, uh, Boom's horn for for a little while here in in the future. I think they've done right by retailers over this whole thing. So, oh yeah, man,
0: that's nice to hear because I I love the books that Boom has been putting out lately.
2: I think I think it all comes from like their leadership, which is Ross Ritchie, and then they uh, th- there's a guy working with them now, uh, Philip Sablik, who is uh, he's been in the industry for a while, but like those two guys are. You you want to be in a room with those two guys? Uh, they they kind of know what they're doing, and uh, they can market the right way. And, and they're getting a lot of cool stuff right now, and, and making really cool properties out of it. So big fan, big fan.
0: Yeah, and just like stuff like Ghosted in LA, and that's the one that that jumps out. Or Once in Future, that's boom too, right?
2: Once in Future is so yeah. Uh, that's boom. That is Grant Morrison and no Karen Gillan. I'm sorry, Karen, Karen Gillan, Gillen, yeah. Dan Mora. Yep. Dan Mora kind of started on a book from Boom, I believe, called Hexed. And if you ever get a chance to read it, that was in my pile here as, as a newer book. Uh, but I, there's a series called Hexed, and I think this, the story is called The Harlot and the Thief. If you ever get a chance to read it, it's really, really cool. And that's where Dan kind of cut his teeth uh, on that book. But now he's worked with Grant Morrison, Karen Gellin. He's doing a ton. He's doing something. I think for the Joker, eighty-page giant that's coming out—the 80th anniversary.
0: Oh yeah, that uh, book
2: yeah. that's coming out real soon.
0: Wait, a comic focusing just on the Joker? That's innovative.
2: <laughs> I think it's uh, the sorry, Joker's. Sorry, 80- sorry.
0: <laughs> trying to be positive about things.
2: <laughs> the Joker's 80th birthday, I think, just passed from from his first appearance, which was April 24th, I think, something like that. April 24th, uh, and it's his. <laughs> what's that?
1: Which Joker is that? I heard there's three of them.
2: Probably one of three that was supposed to come out in June, but I don't, I don't. I, there is no June solicitation for it right now, so
1: yeah,
2: we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm hogging time here. No
0: no, 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 we we don't have time limits. But uh, <laughs> so, Jar has comics, comics, comics. Blog. You just had an uh, article on Gru.
3: Yeah, I just put up something on the Marvel Age covers that I had found and got together in one spot and realized, hey, these are all Christmas covers. And so, yeah, I decided to write about that. No, the blog's good. I need to write more, but it's good.
0: Yeah, I guess we all need to write more for our blog. Certainly, the Oddity Prodigy blog is a little bit slow these days. i yeah, tell you but... what,
3: I, I can't wait till New England Comics opens, because I'm going to fucking spend some money when when I can finally buy comics again. <laughs> I need bags. I need boards. I need a box and some comics. You know, Captain Blue Hen ships. Mm hmm. Oh, no, I didn't know that. I don't know
2: if we ship boards and bags because then you get into like freight prices, I think. But uh, yeah, right. comics, comics we ship.
0: Good to know. Good to know. And how's the uh, Claremont the Claremont podcast? The second episode just came out, right? The second episode was just
3: released. So we're getting ready to put together number three, Ace Comics. Chris Sheehan did a great job with it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun podcast. There's a lot of great hosts on it. It's definitely worth checking out.
0: So I I get picked on a little bit for the the sister podcast for Oddity Prodigy, which is the scary stuff. You get picked on? Well, because it's between two to four hours each episode that we put out monthly. Yeah. So I like that your podcast comes out and it's 12 hours because that makes (laughs) me feel a lot better.
3: Well, that's true. But there's segments that you can listen to and skip around. And because we're each talking about a different book. Oh, yeah. So it, it's not a group of guys talking for 12 hours straight. It's oh, two no, guys I understand that. for a while. But yes, it is long.
0: But it's still a 12 hour podcast. And that makes me feel better about myself.
3: <laughs> it's a fun time, though.
0: How many people are on that podcast?
3: Oh, geez. I'd have to count. I think it's Chris does it works with each person. So it's segments of two people and there's 10 or 11 of us maybe.
0: Okay. So what does the podcast cover? Tell us a little bit about it.
3: So the idea that Chris had was he always wanted to talk about the era of X-Men that he got into, which is just after volume two launched and Chris Claremont, you know, left the book, John Bernard left. And it's that 90s era. So the way it works is each host takes a different book to talk about. So I've got X-Factor, another guy has X-Men, somebody's got Excalibur, that kind of thing. And we just, we're going through it month by month. We started with October of 91, we just did November of 91, and it's to relive that era of X-Men.
0: Huh? It's really fun. Like, I, I've liked what I've listened to, and, and you're reviewing my favorite era of X-Factor. Well, one, two favorite eras, I guess, but because for the longest time,
3: it's a book I've never read, so that's for me. It's fun; it's all new for me.
0: The Peter David era was the only Marvel comic I bought for a long time. Like I grew up reading Marvel and stopped after a while and didn't really get back into it, but I always stuck with X Factor, and in, in large part because of that run with you know Madrox and Strong Guy and all those those fun kind of secondary characters.
3: Yeah, it's it's neat experiencing this era through a book i've never read i mean i know some i know the characters but i never read this series and then to listen to the other guys talk about books that i haven't read but know about and that kind of thing it's just it's a real hoot. plus we, we there's other stuff we do we, like in the la- the second episode we went through and answered all the questions that would appear in the marvel bullpen when a new editor or writer would come on so we we did those same questions <laughs> so that was pretty cool that's fun yeah.
0: So, Steve, you were had planning to do Super Chum's 25th anniversary, but I guess that's yeah. going to be a little bit on hold right now.
1: Yeah. The amount of things I wanted to put out and build around the whole concept of all shows and launches, events, all in Newark. And, yeah, we're, we're just, the world's not ready for that. So, and it's kind of funny. I put out a the current comic, like, in 2018, and I called it the uh, 23rd anniversary issue because, you know, nobody ever does that. So it kind of fits. Like, I'll just pause and I'll put it out all next year and we'll just call it the 25th anniversary. Maybe I'll put like a strike through through it or something. But
0: yeah, just do the, the 26th anniversary or something like that. We'll we'll have some fun with it.
1: Yeah, we're definitely going to have some fun. With it.
0: cons will eventually start up again. Yeah. They're going to have a, a you know vaccine and all that stuff, and, yep. and things will... I don't know if they'll ever go back to complete normal, but I think right. at least the nerd portion of our lives, I think, is going to end up resuming. Yeah. I need some dollar
3: comics, damn it. It's just been weird. What? <laughs> uh, it's just been
1: weird because, um, you know, I kind of had a whole plan, and although I was starting to fall behind on it. Now I'm, like, miserably behind. But, yeah, well, like, you know, there's essentially... A new comic book for Superstorm I want to do. There's a children's book, um, and then there's two collected editions, like the the archive of everything that that came before. Yeah, it's just it's all just gonna get shoved the next year. So it'll be fun.
0: Yeah, I think this is just gonna be a pause year for a lot of things. Just yeah. we'll see. Although we're we're still working hard on the, the Scary Stuff anthology. We just got the final two stories that we had been waiting on the the edits for. So so things are proceeding a pace on that, and that that's exciting. Uh, that's the main thing i'm working on that in the zillion podcasts i do now uh yep. i have a music one and then the, like i said scary stuff which is actually building a pretty good listener audience now which is kind of fun we had mike flanagan listen to it the other days the director of well a lot of things hush and dr sleep and
1: yeah i saw dr sleep
0: things like that oh did you yeah yeah i did it's good it. th- yeah i enjoyed it oh um, it's it's <laughs> it's an interesting movie The the book is better, but the movie does some different things, and it. Yeah. I think it it succeeds in its main challenge of being a sequel to a book and a movie that are not similar.
1: Yeah, yeah. A lot of my favorite parts were when it, and you know, I, I saw the. I guess it's the director's cut, so they did yep. some. Yeah, like I, I saw the extra scenes that really drove home that the Kubrick parts of it, which I enjoyed. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's not a ton in the in the extra scenes, but it, what what is there is very good. Yeah. All right, Jerry is holding up a muscle action figure. Yes! Which is our signal that it's time to start talking about old comics, I think.
1: Well, actually, real quick. So, you know, I put Super Chum on hold till next year. Next year was going to be uh, an idea that I'm I'm working on, and I'm still working out the details of it with uh, Scary Stuff podcast, uh, ordinaire um Eric, but it's going to be kind of a wrestling-themed comic, and it's going to involve elements of, like, The Last Starfighter, and those muscle figures, because I used to collect the shit out of them when I was a kid.
0: <laughs> you were also collecting the um, the Thing comics, where he was a wrestler, right?
1: Yes, yeah. In fact, I put together that whole run at the last Baltimore Comic Con.
0: Yeah, I remember those. Those were a yep. lot of fun.
1: Yeah, the uh, Unlimited Class Wrestling Federation.
0: I, wrestling, I guess, is the one sport that's still going, isn't it? Yeah. Or they did WrestleMania. Yeah, I don't, they did I don't...
1: WrestleMania. They've been. They basically are filming in a studio so they do all the testing whatever they got tagged as an essential business in florida so but yeah they they keep doing tape shows which you know wrestling can do it's pretty hilarious
0: yeah. look german soccer is coming back probably i think next weekend is the the first and i'm gonna watch that first game and probably just cry wow. i've missed sports so much in the last month and a half
1: how have you missed sports we've gotten um the, the michael jordan uh, documentary jake right?
0: Yeah, I can't watch that. You should. You'll thoroughly enjoy it, except for yeah.
1: except for one episode.
2: There's been two go rounds of the Ocho as well, so let's not forget. Like
1: that is true. they
2: true. Uh, we, we we watched. Uh, I think a week ago we were watching lawnmower racing and uh, slippery stairs. Which, if you've never seen slippery stairs, yeah, watch the one time they filmed it. I don't know what that is, but it sounds fun. Uh, Google it. So, it's, it's fantastic fantastic we watched stone skipping for like 30 minutes i swear oh, to wow. god
1: did, did they televise the the championship that they hold for it because i've seen videos of that it's amazing
2: <laughs> it's in michigan
1: yep and yep.
2: like there there is no technique nope. there is no there is no there is no consistency you're either like 24 skips or two Yep. and they're like oh that's that's a bad skip like i guess <laughs> i guess last year's world champion is out and you're like
0: all right are you sure there's no technique? Because I just found out like, that bowling has techniques and balls based on how they wax the the lanes or oil the lanes. Yeah. That that was a myth. Like they oil the lanes differently, and they use different balls depending on that. So maybe maybe there is technique to stone skipping. I don't I don't know. Not when they film this one. Yeah. Wow. Well, all right. Well, yeah. <laughs> but so you understand when I talk about German soccer coming back, it's going to be like going to church. I can't I'll, wait. you're
1: Not watching Korean baseball. I know. The stands. It's is not- filled. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the uh in fact i i have a bunch of basketball buddies and we were talking about well who are you gonna root for and your you know who's your new german soccer team you. and i back when we i got into soccer i picked up the, uh wolfsburg so yeah. i'm just gonna keep rooting for them yeah how about you jason you have a german soccer team i, I like weston mckinney so who, who does he play for oh he's on um
2: he's on the Munich he's on frankfurt Rangers. isn't he uh, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I I literally have no idea. I, I know that he and Pulisic were on uh like opposing teams, Dortmund. like yeah. So so Dortmund and whatever team McKinney's on were like the Eagles and the Cowboys, and I know that they met up. So so their two teams played each other on Black Friday one year, and their families got together because they've been friends for years on Thanksgiving, and they had dinner together and like. The German public was like freaking out. So that that would be like that'd be like if Tony Romo and uh, Donovan McNabb got together and had uh, had dinner together the night before a big uh, you know Eagles Cowboys game. You know, it's unheard of.
1: And shared a turducken. <laughs> they do what? And they got together and shared a turducken.
0: <laughs> yes, that's funny. I look, I'm on the side of the German public in this case. You, you shouldn't be eating with your opponent the night before. Oh
3: man, your enemy.
0: Michael Jordan yeah. would never do that, and he's getting a 10-part documentary series. That's right. I'm, I swear, you will love it, except
1: for the last
0: episode. I'll watch it. It just gives me PTSD from it's, growing up as a Knicks that, fan.
1: That one episode is about what they did to the Knicks. Every other episode is not.
0: I don't need to watch an episode. I can close my eyes and see what they did to the Knicks. Yep. It never. It's never that far from my brain. I know. You know. And now, you know, I'm a diehard Sixers fan now, but that's my dark past that Michael Jordan ruined. Actually, Stefan Marbury and uh, Isaiah Thomas. Mostly yeah. It, but, you know.
1: <laughs> they keep showing, like, clips from, you know, like, Jordan in, the, in this era. And there'll be games against the Sixers. I'm like, yeah, I remember watching that game on TV. Like, I know exactly <laughs> what that play is. <laughs> like, oh, God.
0: Oh, man. All right. Well, should we talk about some comics? Some old comics, I guess. Absolutely. So, uh... Jerry, you haven't talked in a while. You want to start? What do you, What have you got for us from your childhood or your youth?
3: Well, the old comic I want to talk about is DC Comics Presents.
0: Choice. The
3: Superman Team-Up book, Volume 1.
0: I love Super DC Comics Presents.
3: The reason I wanted to talk about that one is because a few years ago, coming back from Niagara Falls, we stopped at a comic shop, and I bought a copy of issue number 53, Superman and the House of Mystery. And it was the first old comic I had bought in a real long time. I haven't been buying back issues. It was almost all new DC stuff with some Marvel mixed in. And looking at this old comic and reading the story, it was an excellent story. It just made me want to read old comics again. So I started going to shops and pulling out 70s and 80s stuff. And in the past couple of years, I've added thousands of old comics to my collection because of this one DC Comics Presents that I bought. Which one was it? So that's, that's why I wanted that's why I brought that series up.
0: Who was in that issue? It's The House of Mystery. Cool. So it, growing up I had issues of DC Comics Presents oh, but yeah, it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't something we bought consistently that I remember. No. I think it was something we got into its back issues even then.
3: Right. We we had some issues of it. And over the since I bought that issue, I've been working on putting together a run and I'm almost done with it. I've just got a couple of the key books left and one of those is number 28 with the Green Lantern and the Teen Titans preview, which I have. Yeah,
1: how do you not have that book yet?
3: Cuz it's expensive. <laughs> like, I mean, it's always been expensive. Well, not always. When Jake got a copy of it when we were kids, I think he paid like 15 bucks for it. Yeah, that's what
0: I paid for it. So technically, your missing issue, you have a copy of In Your House right now.
3: Yeah, I can go get it. It's just right over there. <laughs> Blue Hens is a copy that I thought about buying. It's in the in the display case. It's got a nice price on it, but I haven't pulled the trigger yet. All right. I did get the He Man issue. That was a that was a good pickup. I've got a couple of the other ones, so I'm almost done. But I only need, I think, number five is an Aquaman issue, the Green Lantern, and one other.
0: This is maybe way off base, but wasn't the man the DC story, the man who has everything, the Alan Moore Superman story? Wasn't that in DC Comics Presents? No, it's a Superman no. annual. It's an annual. Yeah. Okay.
3: Mongol's first appearance is in DC Comics Presents, but okay, that the story you're thinking of is not in that.
0: That series had, it, it was generally rotating creators, right? Yeah,
3: Quartz yeah, Swan did a lot of the early stuff, but yeah, there were different creators on the books. Do
0: you know, like, how long it ran?
3: It ran, I think the last issue was in 89, issue 89, or, hold on one sec. 97, yeah, I... September 1986, Superman and the Phantom Zone. Oh, yeah. Had three
0: Like, my main memory of that is that was a book you'd, like, I'd pick up a back issue here and there because it had somebody cool in it, but I never felt like I need to put together, you know, a whole run. It had, have like, Unknown Soldier or Phantom Stranger or somebody, and it would be like, well, I want to read that. Superboy Prime's
3: first appearance is in it. The last appearance of Supergirl before the crisis was uh, DC Comics Presents. So there are some significant issues there.
1: My favorite issue of it is uh,
3: number 71. But there's also the Sea Devils and uh, Atomic Knights.
1: What'd you say, Steve? My favorite issue of it is uh, number 71, Superman and Bizarro, because it introduced me to the Bizarro Justice League. <laughs> Yellow Lantern.
0: Bizarro is one of those villains I always have kind of mixed feelings about.
3: Understandable.
0: Like, I always want to like him more than I actually end up liking Bizarro stories, which is going to come up again later in this podcast. <laughs>
3: It actually, it will come up because the new comic I'm going to pick was written by Pete Tomasi, who did a fantastic, bizarre story in Superman just before the Bender
0: stuff took over. All right, cool. So DC Comics Presents, that's that's fun. Now I want to go read you know, all old issues of DC Comics Presents. Damn straight you do. So what, uh, what old comic do you have, Jason? All right, so I'm going to preface this by saying... Uh...
2: I just got unloaded like 95% of my collection. Like I had like 40 plus long boxes in my house. I just moved like a year ago. So uh, they were taking up an entire room and in a year I hadn't gone in and checked all my books. So I was like, it's time to part with some of these books. So I went through every single box before I I took them to to a, a reputable comic book shop in the area. You might know one. And uh, I kept like five, like, I I think I have like five long boxes left. So every book, when you were like, pick a book that means something to you, you know, like from your childhood, every one of these books that I chose means something to me. So I I grew up a huge X-Men fan. The the first book I ever got was uh, Uncanny X-Men number 233. People have heard that story like a hundred times, and I'm sure they're bored by it at this point.
0: It's the Reavers, right?
2: Uh, Just after the Reavers... It's the Australia team going to Colorado yeah. to deal with the brood. Okay. Yep. Oh yeah. Silvestri and uh, Claremont. You'll get there, Jer. No, <laughs> you'll get there. <laughs> uh, when you do, when
1: you do. The brood used to scare me. That's
2: right. So so uh, so I, I I started thinking, and I was going through all my all my books again, looking through them, and th- th- there was one book that stood out, and, and one story that stood out out of all of them that I, that I needed to go and and tell you about. When I was in seventh or eighth grade, ninety one ish, there was a kid in my class that needed loose leaf paper. I was willing to just give him the loose leaf paper, but even back then, I think he knew I was the comic book guy, uh, you know, of that group. So he was like, "I'll trade you this comic for for ten pieces of loose leaf paper." And and the comic was uh, New Warriors number one. Oh wow, um,
0: that's a good deal. Yeah, I would Dude. absolutely trade. T- I would trade ten notebooks for that
2: <laughs> whole notebooks. Was this uh, Fabian Nicieza and uh, and uh, Mark Bagley? Mark Bagley. So I, I, once I saw that book, I was like, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta go! Uh, I'm to go find this one." So I went through, and I, I have like I think a solid run of like 40 New Warriors titles uh, issues, and there's three books that it, like it hit me when I was a kid, and that is uh, my uh, Days of Future Past, uh, which was Forever Yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you remember this at all. Does this bring back any memories
0: at all? Yes. Oh yeah, I had the whole first thirty, forty issues of New Warriors. I stuck with New Warriors till the bitter end.
2: <laughs> There's actually a new series coming out. Uh, should be coming oh. out real soon.
1: But uh, I'm very this, excited about it.
2: This uh, this series here had them. Um, Nova sort of starts the story with the Avengers, and uh, they are taking on a group of mutants like Firestar and and. Uh, marvel man as they called him in here but it wasn't thor it was a character named horus that looked a lot like thor but he had like egyptian powers and there there wasn't captain america it was captain assyria and storm was one of the avengers and iron man was black now <laughs> uh or, or of middle eastern descent i'm not sure but he, essentially that was my days of future past uh like 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 reality had been rewritten and nova knew something in his stomach like it was just didn't, didn't sit well with him. It wasn't right. And he needs to set time right. So, you know, he 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 goes through this three-story arc here. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I think one of the reasons I remember it uh, so vividly is because I was an X-Men fan. Wolverine gets some comeuppance in here pretty early. You have super 90s uh, hairstyles and costume designs by Mark Bagley. If I remember correctly, I think Cyclops has, like, a ponytail and a handlebar mustache in here. Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> lots of mullets mullets were like all the rage yarmir yager must have been like the uh the template with which most of these hairstyles were based on um Thunderstrike. I, I was,
0: Thunderstrike. what's that thunder <laughs> he's not doesn't yarmir yager still play in like a russian league or something
2: i'm sure he is yeah that, that guy's a machine but uh, dude uh, so, but once i saw that new warriors number one i was like i, I gotta go back and find this the reason why I have about forty issues uh, of New Warriors is uh, working at Captain Bluehead. When new collections come in, we get the honor of looking at those books before most other people do. And Paul, the the original owner of the shop, had had just bought in a collection, uh, bought a collection, and uh, had some dollar books ready to go. These uh, these New Warrior books, like a run from like one up through like forty or something like that. Like we're all just sitting there, and I'm like mine. I'm taking these. Uh and, and, and I took them on vacation with us. And that's what my son read for an entire vacation.
1: Nice. I,
2: I love I love that whole run, man. I, I love I love the series. I love the 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 romance between uh Namrita and Nova and and yeah. Speedball. is still one of my favorite characters, even though everybody right? should hate him, I think.
0: Fun fact, the speedball special came out before that, and that was why I ended up buying New Warriors, is because I like the Speedball special. Speedball was from Springdale, Connecticut. Yep, I am of from Springdale, Connecticut. So am I. It was the most random thing, and Jerry is too. <laughs> I, I don't know if I mentioned Jeremiah is my brother. So, yeah, we we grew up in Springdale, and when I got that first issue of Speedball from by Stan Lee,
1: yep,
0: and it you know Springdale, Connecticut, I was like, holy shit! And then later they blew it up, right? Yep, yep.
2: Stanford. <laughs> Stanford, Connecticut.
0: Yeah, Stanford. Springdale is is a is a town. It's a suburb of Stanford. It's it's technically part of Stanford. It's like Christiana is part of Newark.
2: Okay. Yeah they they blame they blame Speedball for it because I think he was like one of the only like survivors or something like that. But but yeah, man. Uh, fun fun series. Fun fun uh, fun ride there. The book is there's a new version of the book coming out. Hopefully it does this group justice. But uh, but that's the one that jumped out of me. So. Yeah, that that's mine. That's mine. I'm all done.
0: My my good friend Bernard, who was a big comic fan too, New Warriors is his like peak book. Like he doesn't read a lot anymore, but if there's anything New Warriors related, he is still checking in. <laughs>
1: I mean, the team had everything. Like Night Thrasher was cool. I was a huge Nova fan. Terex was the villain in issue one. Like it it, it was a must buy, and it just hit the ground running. Again.
0: That was the, the Richard Ryder yeah. Yes. Is that his name? Okay. Yeah. Starfire. I'm sometimes not so good on the Marvel.
2: Marvel yeah. Boy who goes on to become uh who who goes on to become major victory? Uh yeah. uh. What well, what's not to lie?
0: Was that also Mark Bagley's first book? Jerry. <laughs> that I have no idea. I think so. I know it was early in his cause he, he won the, the original Marvel tryout, right? That was Mark Bagley. Yeah. Well, we'll have to we'll have to check that in post. <laughs> all right. So, Steve, what what old comic from your childhood do you have for us? So, I'm
1: bringing basically, um, it's a specific story arc from The Flash. The story arc is called "The Trial of the Flash," um, and it comes from. It starts in like Flash number three twenty three, and runs all the way up to Flash number three fifty. The premise is that Flash murders the Reverse Flash because. The Reverse Flash is threatening to murder his fiancée, Fiona. And the reason why Flash murders him is Reverse Flash had previously killed Iris. So he felt that the threat was real. And then after he kills Reverse Flash, he's put on trial for murder. And this was very early in my comic collecting career. Before that, I had been buying, like, single issues. I think the thing I had the most of at the time was team-up, because I liked Spider-Man but I liked the comic that had Spider-Man and somebody else more than regular Spider-Man because I was a little kid. Like, I wanted more than just Spider-Man. But this was the very first comic that I started to try and collect every issue of because I wanted to read what would happen next. So this is really like, you know, I was a comic book reader and, and becoming a nascent comic collector. And this story arc really turned me into an actual collector. Like, I had to try and come back every month. It was, like, I mean, seriously, a superhero put on trial for murder. It also really kind of launched me into liking The Flash and Carmine Infantino's artwork because I love the way he draws speed lines. All the tricks that The Flash can do, like vibrating through walls and running around on tornadoes and stuff, it's all just insanely illustrated by Carmine Infantino. It's also, like, there's an issue, yeah, it's an issue which, you know, was the worst cliffhanger ever for me as a little kid was they decide to book frame a, a reprint of how Reverse Flash killed Iris by having the Justice League vote on whether they're going to vote Flash out. And the final vote goes to Superman. And an issue ends with Superman it's like, my vote is dot, 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 find out next month. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> so, yeah, this one, this one messed with me. He got a lawyer. The lawyer got killed. There's a Gorilla Grodd thing going on whole thing's being manipulated by the Pied Piper. I learned what the hell the Flash Museum was. I was like, how does the Flash have a museum? So many things about comics were introduced to me in this run. It ends with the Flash getting convicted and going to jail. And that leads into what happens to him in Crisis. Which, you know, Crisis. So, yeah, this one really shaped me as a comic book reader. And, yeah, right out of the gate, I was just... Uh,
0: it's funny in my head. Infantino is kind of the the definitive Flash artist. Yep. Even though I he, I don't think he drew anything after that. What do you mean? He left Flash after that. He wasn't on the, when it relaunched with. Ari yeah, West.
1: yeah. Um, this was the end of Barry Allen as a Flash, and they, you know, they they killed him in Crisis. So when they rebooted the Flash as Wally West, yeah, Infantino was long gone. I mean,
0: he basically drew
1: classic runs of the Flash
0: back from the Silver Age to here. So. I'm always going to be a Wally guy. I I understand.
3: Isn't the Trial of Flash a widely maligned run, actually, by some critics, because it's drawn out and rather boring?
1: That's the thing, right? Like people Jer- who Jer- say just that just
0: criticized you as a kid, right, right,
1: right. <laughs> but people people who say that also seem to have a lot of love for, say, Brian Michael Bendis writing what took Stan Lee one issue to take place in six issues. I'm like yeah, okay, whatever. I liked it as a
3: game. Yeah. No, I, I I get it. I just, one of the things I've read about that run.
1: I think what happens is they had a very specific date on what they wanted to end the book, so they did try and, like, pad it out with some filler. They were also telling, like, a, you know, because Flash is usually, like, one issue, something happens, another issue, something else happens. So here they, they really did try to string together this massive epic. It's a courtroom drama. So yeah, I, I could see, like, Flash's costume ring is literally underneath a couch for, like, six issues. And it's like, dude, check under the couch. It's right there. The cat <laughs> found it. The cat found it three months ago. But that being said, like, we, we weren't really, like, treated to ongoing arcs at that time. So True, true.
0: So, so you're saying, Jared, that you think they should have written for the trade? No, not at all.
3: It's <laughs> well, just one of the things I've heard about that storyline. That's all.
1: If you want to read the trade, Showcase has the whole story in one volume. Yeah, so it's pretty cool because, like I said, I tried to collect it as a kid I wasn't able to get all the issues so the showcase volume filled in some of those blanks I had and it was kind of pretty satisfying it's like, oh, that's why Big Sur showed up because Big Sur is pretty ridiculous
2: Steve, one of the covers it's it's the Flash, it's a blue cover Flash standing in the middle and I think it's this Justice League issue that you're talking about I, I just remember, I so I had this as a kid and I remember that like you guys can see this. I want to show you for for the people at home. There was six there were six hands on the page, each of them making a, either a thumbs up or a thumbs down.
1: Yes. Now
2: to not, to not be repetitious, was it Carmine Pintener that did the cover too? Yes. I think he okay.
1: did almost all the covers back then.
2: You have somebody like this, right? You have somebody like this. Somebody's going uh, I'm sorry, so thumbs up or thumbs down. Okay. Then you also have somebody who's like this and it's like like a hyper like extended thumb up. And then there's one. There's one that's this. <laughs> like, I don't.
0: I don't know how to know, cast right, that right, right like, a, like a fist with the tucked in thumb. Yep.
2: It's almost like somebody said, "Here's a kernel of corn. Put it in your hand and close your hand as tightly as possible, and yep. don't let me open it." Even as a kid, I was like, "I call bullshit on your on your thumbs up, thumbs down." Clearly, you just you just didn't want to draw another thumbs up, but but dude. I, I had that issue too, and that always sticks out in my head—the the, the uh, whole back and forth, and who voted for him and who didn't vote for him—and
1: right. And it was kind of cool the way they they played it out. Is like they all explain their votes and why, and we all live in a world where we know Oliver Queen's kind of a dick. This was my introduction to Oliver Queen being an asshole. <laughs> you kind of guess how he voted.
0: <laughs> it's funny that in, in modern times, like Oliver Queen's being an asshole has kind of shifted over to Hawkman. Being a hard yeah. ass.
1: Yep. Yeah, Hawkman. Not quite that in this issue. And I mean, do you guys mind if I tell you that the the most shocking vote? Bit of a Go ahead. So yes, that's the yeah. one.
2: Hold on. Look, look, hold on. Hold that back up. Look at the yellow yep. fist.
1: Who's that?
2: That's the one that I was like, no, no way. That's, that's the, nobody votes yes that way.
0: Who had a yellow fist at that point? Like who was wearing a yellow glove? Aquaman? No. No, I'm not. Hawkman? Oh,
1: Firestorm. Firestorm.
0: Maybe Flash? Flash was wearing yellow gloves. Firestorm. Maybe that's why he doesn't have a thumb out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you get He's not the sure last if he's vote, guilty.
1: And it's Superman, right? And Superman's famous for his code of not killing.
0: Man's gotta have a code.
1: Right. And, spoiler alert, Superman votes yes. Keep him in. It blew my mind. Like, it blew my little kid mind. Apart. So, hold on. Like,
2: Don't they, um... They voted they, to keep him. They voted to keep him, but it doesn't he like tell them to go stick it or something?
1: No, that's Batman. He he thanks them for keeping him, but he says that, you know, he's got this trial and it would just be a distraction to be in the league, so he's gonna take okay. people's absence. Batman told the Justice League to go fuck themselves, which was awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, all series, now, which, that cover Batman I remember, remember outside. that's outsiders number one. Yep.
2: Quick side note: Mark Bagley's first work for Marvel was *A Visionaries* from the toy line. Uh, he also did some backup <laughs> stories in *Captain America* and some of the uh, oh uh, new universe books. But his first actual Marvel title that he did a run on was *The New Warriors*.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I thought it was. Was was the first like run? But he'd done previous yeah. work. I just wasn't sure what he did.
0: Yeah, I remembered it, it being some sort of that? first forum, but not what it was. Oh, man, Visionaries. I like that toy line. They had That's holograms. toy line. Yeah. <laughs> I like
1: Power Lords more than Visionaries, but I like Visionaries.
0: Power I... Lords was with, with the blue and orange guy, right? Yeah. Yes. That guy was a little too veiny to be fun as a kid. But he would flip. you press that button and he'd flip. Yeah, I... Visionaries about... had holograms, man. That was cooler. Right. Talking I about
3: it. the Visionaries, there's a uh, podcast, Pop Culture retrorama. Did a whole episode on the Visionaries It was fantastic. Very cool. The holograms, the comics, the toys—good stuff. Have they done an episode on Centurions? Pop
0: culture retrorama? No.
1: Yeah, because they had they had a comic that I read and I liked their toys a lot.
0: So yeah, Centurions were the like the bigger toys that had the holes on them that you could plug yep. stuff yeah, you into. Yeah, plug stuff
3: in. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah, they were cool. Yeah,
3: the bad guy had a claw.
0: Yeah,
1: yep. I think Colin drew the the limited series. It's like Gene Colan working on a toy comic.
0: Yeah. You've been doing a lot on with the um the tie-in comics, right, Jerry? I do. I I buy a lot of that stuff. I've got both Power Lords
3: issues. In fact, I think I bought that series like 3 times. <laughs> I've got almost a complete run of the visionaries. Yeah. I've got a lot of toy comics.
0: Was it there was a Star Ears comic, right? Yep. Four issue oh, miniseries with wow. Bill Sinkevich covers. Bill Sinkevich did the covers? Okay, yeah. so I'm not crazy. When I was thinking about yeah, that, that the other day, was
1: just on trending on Twitter the other day. The Sinkevich Star
3: Ears comics.
0: That's it's kind awesome. of funny to think about. So I was at the New York Comic-Con last year and on the, the upper floor, they had a special like art booth that was honoring Bill Sinkevich. And, you know, like he had this, this huge volume he did and, you know, there were news reporters there and it was, it was a big deal at the thing. And all I could think is my favorite comics from you as a kid were the Star Ears and the time you drew a scary bear for the new Mutants. <laughs> <laughs> huh. and, and I don't mean to, de- to degrade his art. It was great. Like it was just back then, you know, those cool artists would do just about anything, but it was the Star Ears thing that always, it always makes me wonder. Yeah. Like, how do you tell Bill Sinkavich you, you're you going to do four issues of Starriers? Paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he knocked the hell out of those covers, too. They're dynamite. Yeah. For my old comic, I brought Booster Gold, the original run, 25 issues by uh, Dan Jurgens. Nice. I have always been a Booster Gold fan. Like, I, I remember the first issue of this I got was off a newsstand in Colorado, right outside or right inside Rocky Mountain National Park. I remember picking it up, and it was the one at was, they're fighting a robot or something on the cover. I forget. I think it's like issue seventeen, and I loved his costume with the, the you know the mask going up, but not covering his his cool hair, and the cool goggles and the the color scheme, the blue and yellow color scheme. Yeah, and like I read that issue and became essentially I've become a lifelong Booster Gold fan. I've bought pretty much everything he's been in since, but that original Jurgens series remains one of the touchstone. Comics for me, and it was one of the things.
1: Miniseries.
0: I didn't say miniseries.
1: You just said miniseries.
0: Jurgens series. Okay. It wasn't a series. We had twenty-five issues. Yeah. Which is about average for every time they try to bring him back. Yep. Goes about twenty-five issues. I get all of them, and apparently it's only me and like fifteen other people, and he goes away again. It was one of those. It started, you know, as an introducing a new character, and it ends during the millennium crossover. Uh, the last issue where one of the main characters turns out to be uh, you know, bad person, but it's also I think it's what introduces a fair amount of what ends up in the Giffen Justice League run, which was another one of my favorites as a kid, and it kind of rolls into that when he joins them in issue three, and it becomes Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, and it was just it was a fun comic as a kid. It was a different concept as a superhero because he wasn't good at his job. He wasn't noble. You know, I didn't love Superman as a kid. I always found him a little bit boring because he had such a strict code. There wasn't a lot of moral wavering back and forth. And I liked a little bit of that in my comics. Like I liked a little bit of internal conflict in Booster Gold in a in a pretty, you know, simple way for a kid, really provided that that instinct between personal benefit versus nobility and being a hero. So many of DC heroes were just you know straight heroes you know i love comics like legion at the time and teen titans and then teen titans did some of that but mostly it was like their nobility or their agenda was never in question they were heroes and heroes did what heroes do and booster gold to me was the closest to some kind of moral quandary as a kid and that i always appreciated that about it he also fought you know crazy not crazy quilt the other one the color Rainbow rainbow raider the rainbow raider you know, and goofy second and I think I also one of my first superhero comics was the All Star Squadron. And I think because Man. of that, I've always been attracted to the like the the more B side characters. Between All Star Squadron and reading Who's Who cover to cover sixteen times as a kid. <laughs> you know, yeah, the Justice League is great, but who's doing anything with the Global Guardians? And uh I guess what I'm saying is as a kid I was a hipster.
3: Well, plus
0: Skeets, right? Isn't that his robot buddy? Skeets. skeets.
3: Yep,
1: the robot Skeets. Yeah. I don't yeah, think liking Booster Gold as a kid makes you a hipster.
0: i just getting out of the way before I get accused of being a it hipster a, for some other reason. It was a
1: slick-looking comic with a pretty hot artist at the time, and it was, like, pushing up. There was that. There was Booster Gold, Blue Devil, and Blue Beetle were all trying to push this whole fresh-blood, new number-one thing in D.C., so...
0: Yeah, and I liked back when they they took chances on new characters, and they yeah. they do now too. But it's the new characters right. they take chances on now are in a new ongoing that ends up being a six issue limited series. Yeah.
2: Oh, uh, didn't it also have like a really cool like ad? I almost want to say that uh, it almost looked like a movie poster, or or he was like putting suntan lotion on, or and there was like a like a James Bond like car in the ad. Am I making this all up in my head? Yeah,
1: no, that was his shtick was. Luthor Gold was a superhero who marketed himself, which is the moral quandary was was he motivated by fame, popularity, and money or actually because from the future he wasn't a hero.
2: He
0: was a janitor, right? Yeah, he was a janitor. He was a former football star who was disgraced for gambling, became a janitor at a museum, stole a time uh, uh, one of Rip Hunter's time bubbles, a Legion flight ring, and a suit. That had a force field and shot blasts and then went back in time to become a superhero. And skeet, Which you know, and he had that kind of connection to the Legion and yeah, and he stole Skeets. But it's but the house yeah. ad
3: was a famous ad. I mean it ran for that yeah. house
0: ad was a big deal. Yeah. Is it is and it in it? Them? It's it's I have the showcase volume. It doesn't have the ad in it.
2: I'm gonna see if I can find it real quick. I, cause the artist is is I can't I can't think of who the artist is.
0: It's right there.
2: Did you find it?
1: Yeah, it says, you guys never had it so good. It's, he's got Dusk, Fragrance for Men, Metro Today, yes. a stack yep. of dollars, Booster Saves Metropolis of the Daily Planet, Go for the Gold, Booster Gold. There it is.
2: There
0: it is, no, yeah. You're, you're just holding that up to the screen, yeah. I'm going to hold it up,
2: too, Dad, since since he's doing it. I'm going to do it, too.
0: Oh. Right, now Steve, just, now you hold it up. I'm just looking <laughs> at it. I still think it's one of the best costumes of all time.
1: It's a cool costume. The color scheme is, is brilliant.
0: Yeah. I don't think the giant collar would fly in 2020, but I, to my eyes, there's it's a still gorgeous.
1: Certain demographic that likes popped collars in the United States, so I'm, that's I'm true. Double Pop that's collars. collars,
0: yes. <laughs> so you're saying Booster could be a GM for the Sixers?
1: Yes, he could. All, <laughs> and he could have a like a team like of sidekicks called the Icy Hot Stunters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, through the years, he's become kind of a comic relief character a little bit because of the the and run and the blue, yeah. blue and gold. And blue, And I like that aspect, too. But when you read the original series, the original 25, that's not really present. He's not oh. he's, he's treated. He's a bit of a doofus, but he's not comic relief.
2: I can't remember if it was the new 52 version of him or not, but there was a series that came out. And I think Dan Jurgens was like either writing it at the time. Uh, I think he was writing it. But it was like uh, Booster Gold was like the greatest hero that the world can never know about. Yeah, that was
0: that, sure. that's, that's how they, they gave the fifty-two a point, or I think it was fifty-two, whichever one that he ended up saving the universe from Mister Mind. Yeah, it was a good series. He yeah. it was essentially like superhero version of Quantum Leap a little bit.
2: Yes, I, I, I love I love that take on it that he and and I believe. There's been two or three episodes of like Justice League, like Unlimited or um, the Justice League cartoon where it's the same setup that that he's he's risking his life to save the universe and nobody knows about it. There's one I think of I think the latest Justice League series where he like takes a selfie of himself and Batman and Batman's puking because of like the time. Like bubble that, that he opens up and he tells Batman you'll never remember this and then he doesn't. So and it's all about like him being an actual hero, but everybody has to believe that he's kind of like the bumbling idiot that just kind of falls into luck and is the side humor, you know? Yep. But uh yep. yeah, dude, I, I love this U-
0: That was a good book. I, I think that one went about twenty five issues, maybe a bit longer. I don't remember exactly. All right, that's our old comics. So we also each brought a new series that we enjoy uh who would we we started with chair last time why don't we start with jason this time all right
2: uh I, i'm gonna try and get a few in here to let people know but um the one that i have uh i started pulling other stuff out image has done a ton of really cool stuff lately and uh and i, I spoke about boom in the beginning of all this these independent companies uh, are, are really starting to put out really quality uh entertainment and and, and writing and everything so I'm going to run through a couple of these here, but I'm just going to give you their names if you want to go hunt them down. These are some of my favorites, and it was hard to pick. But The Strange Talent of Luther Strode, if you've never read that.
1: Oh, I love that book.
2: Trad Moore and, and Justin Jordan. Trad Moore is the artist. This is the book that kind of launched Trad Moore. This Justin is- Jordan
0: also writes Revenant, right? He's like about the nicest human being I've ever met.
2: Justin and- Jordan is amazing. He, he's really cool. I'll tag him in this. Uh, so, so we can hear that. But uh, Justin Justin has written a lot of cool stuff. Shadow Man. Yep. yep. This one is called The Last Sons of America. This is by Boom. Uh, if you get a chance to read this, um, it's, it's a cool story about uh, people can't um, get pregnant anymore, so they, they end up adopting kids. Really cool book. Uh, let me see. What else? Shirtless Bear Fighter. If you've never read it, it's hilarious. Just
1: check it out. Certless firefighter.
2: Plastic is the name of the series. The, the pitch on that is essentially the, there's uh, this guy's girlfriend is kidnapped by a bunch of goons and he's like a serial killer so almost like Dexter And but he's been trying to like live his life the correct way but when this happens it pushes him over the edge and he has to get her back and she's a mannequin. This is the... Uh, yeah, she's a mannequin. Alright, so th- this is... <laughs> this is the- there's a little bit of a left turn at the end. <laughs> This is, uh, ironically, there was a Bob's, uh, Bob's burger on last night about a guy that fell in love with a mannequin and he thought he was a mannequin. Uh, this is the, this is, this is the Dan Moore book I was telling you about. It's called Hexed. This is also uh, from Boom. The Harlot and the Thief is the story you want to read there. This is from Boom as well. This is from a little while ago when, uh, Mark Wade was the, was the publisher, I think at the time. This is, uh, Irredeemable and, um, oh my God, what's the name of the other book? irredeemable and incorruptible uh so essentially you had like like this top tier bad guy and a top tier uh hero so like superman and i don't know who's just vile in in, in the marvel universe i don't know anyway uh because of this thing that happens superman becomes terrible and and the bad guy becomes the good guy so now the bad guy is incorruptible and the good guy is irredeemable
1: have you ever read uh rex edison edison rex yeah yeah Rex. yes (laughs) they, they kind of do a similar thing where the bad guy becomes a good guy
2: dude in edison rex in the first couple pages lex Luthor essentially convinces yep. superman to kill himself <laughs> it's it's so awesome
1: it's great it's absolutely amazing lake of
2: fire this is by uh this is by nathan fairbairn and matt smith this is about uh Crusading uh, knights in the Pyrenees Mountains uh, uh, during the Crusades, they go and are going to bring Christianity to this small village uh, that is not responding. And you find out that aliens have landed, and the people think that the aliens, since they're red, are demons and the devil. They think they're killing devils uh, and demons, but they're actually going to protect these people and kill aliens. Outer Darkness, uh, this is if Star Trek uh, crossed over with like uh, the Evil Dead and Necromancy. The the cartooning and dude it, it, it have you read this, this i is love so, this
1: series it's this so is good so
2: cool. the art in yes. here is not like steven universe but the, yes. the story is so cool um this is so a book dark. i didn't expect to like all right i'm getting there i just book to this gentleman if you go on the captain blue hen uh facebook page i won't say a lot about this this is one of my favorite books it's called the realm um i love this this is by That's jeremy one of the
0: book club books right it's it's uh
2: it's what month no, are we in May. now? Uh, May, J- July. This is going to be, I the think, time July. Time has no meaning. What's that?
0: Said, time has no meaning.
2: Time has no meaning. Up is Down, Left and Right, Cats Living with Dogs, Mass Pandemonium, uh, God Country is is the other one. Th- these are all books and titles that have come out recently that are all collected for trade that you can read. <laughs> these are all fantastic titles. And all of them have, uh, have, have either piqued my curiosity and creativity or touched me in my heart. This book is a touch you in the heart book. By Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw, but the book that like is new and that like if you come into the store and if you leave with nothing else and you ask for a recommendation, I'm going to put this in your hands. This is a book called Murder Falcon. It sounds silly. It sounds dumb. Dave and I got that book. Uh, Dave, who works at the shop with me, uh, Dave and I got that book because we had just read Shirtless Bear Fighter, and Shirtless Bear Fighter is exactly what it sounds like. It is one joke but it beats you over the head with that joke, and it's hilarious. We thought this was going to be the same thing. Murder Falcon. It's, it sounds it sounds like a, an 80s book, but imagine that there are kaiju and, and giant monsters attacking your town, and this eight-foot-tall anthropomorphic falcon with a cybernetic arm is coming to save your town and protect you. But he only can be summoned by the power of rock, and this is Jake down the bottom there. <laughs> Jake is That's a... Nice. Jake he's a super a super talented guitarist. Uh you, you found you find out that he and his band broke up, but because of all this, like like he's bestowed with this mystical guitar. When he plays it, he summons Murph. That's Murder Falcon's nickname. Murph comes out and Murph fights harder the more and the harder that he plays. So if he's like making up some sweet licks, then this is like mortal combat move like move combo things that's going on. That sounds hilarious, right? there's eight issues of this book and by the end of this book i think i think i was like tearing up there's a whole different layer to this book that i I can't tell you eight issues you will not be sorry if you read this book it will punch you in your heart and uh the art is but it's this is written and drawn actually i should say this too the guy's name is daniel warren johnson if you don't follow this guy on social media you should he's super super nice his art is very frenetic and kinetic it's there's a lot of movement to it he's done some really really cool star wars stuff like of like the falcon like coming swooping through like the you know space and everything uh, darth vader like completely just like cutting through people and and you get the feel of, of of like it going through so murder falcon eight issues pick them up individually or pick up the trade it is well worth it uh if you don't cry in the end then you're a robot and uh you have no feelings.
0: Oh, you had me at rock and roll, that's for sure.
2: Dude, dude. Uh, Lemmy shows up in there at some point. There's other uh, oh. other uh, stuff in there as well as far as musical nods and, and, and Easter eggs. So um, really, really cool book, man. It knows what it's doing. And uh, it's, well, Next it's,
0: time I can get into the shop, I think I'm going to have to buy that.
2: Dude, we need to load up on it because Dave and I sell the crap out of this book.
0: Huh. That's anyway, awesome.
2: That's a lot of words. Um, I, go back and rewind it. And check out all those books. But Murder Falcon is amazing.
0: We'll do a companion blog post to this where we list all the comics that we've talked about. Cool. And we'll we'll put some links out. Yay! Murder Falcon. That, yeah. No, I'm sold. That's, that's great. Murder Falcon. So, so I think, Steve, you also have a bird book for your modern book, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I
1: do. You know, I was struggling because the time warp that has happened... Since the stay at home orders have gone in place, like, I'm like, oh man, what am I reading right now? And I've been kind of like really like doing a lot on, I guess, the Wonder Comics stuff, like Wonder Twins, um, Legion, Young Justice, Amethyst. You know, I I like them, but like, I just feel like disconnected from them in a way that I don't think an entire line should. So it's like, ah, I was going to talk about one of these. I couldn't pick which one. And then I realized, wait, they're all kind of like starting to lose me a little bit. I mainly blame what? Legion, because it's we're on we're issue 5, and I've only gotten one panel of, of the new Doctor Fate, which is why I'm buying the book. So that's my own fault, and I'm an idiot. But also, in issue 5, we finally get the exposition that we were promised in issue 1. So I'm like, oh god, the writer's doing it again. <laughs> He's writing to the trade. So I was like, you know what, why well, don't I just go back to the book that got me back into the shop at Blue Hens and subscribing to books. And that is Robert Venditti and Brian Hitch on Hawkman. And
0: So an awesome
1: good. Book. I cannot say enough about how awesome that run is. Brian Hitch's artwork is, is amazing and consistent. He put it out every month. I was just stunned at how beautiful and intricate it was and how relentless he was. I'm a huge Venditti fan because he did the Ecto storyline when Valiant relaunched. And Venditti and Carrie Nord on that Exo book were just the, the perfect perfect thing. The, the only thing that that early Valiant that even came close to Venditti Nordexo Nord Ecto, was, oddly enough, Justin Jordan and uh, Patrick Durcher on the first two issues of Shadow Man. That was just like, wow, that's as good as Shadow Man has ever been. But then Carrie Nord's like, oh yeah, watch this. I was like, oh god.
0: But, Venditti's really been on a hot streak lately because this yeah. Freedom Fighters was about the best right? 12-issue limited series I've read in a long time.
1: I enjoy Hawkman, but the joke is that Hawkman's history is insane. And there's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And he does something in this book that I thought was brilliant is he retcons his origin in a way where it streamlines everything and includes everything. And it's just like, wow. It, he just does one little turn of concept that stitches everything together in a kind of quantum physics type of way and just made me go, this is brilliant. And you get Carter Hall, the archaeologist, back. You get Katar Hall, the Thangarian space cop, back. You get Hawkworld Hawkman back. You get Hawkman from Krypton. You get every Hawkman you could ever think of. Um, what was it Khufu or whatever he was called back in Egypt? You get all of them. And at the whole time, he's telling a consistent narrative on why they matter and why it fits together. And then he brings back Ray Palmer and the Atom and Hawkman and the Atom are buds again. And he's got a starship, because Robert Venditti must know I'm a huge Star Trek fan. So he has Hawkman, the coolest starship ever. So, yeah, I cannot say enough about this book. It literally got me back into subscribing the book. So, like, here I am fretting over Young Justice or Amethyst or, or the Wonder Twins. I'm like, wait, just start with the book that, that I wouldn't even be subscribing to these other books if I didn't read. Them. That is the, the Venditti hit Hawkman. It's classic DC, and, yeah, it's, you should definitely give it a read.
0: I think the only Hawkman not in is the JSA Hawkman, and Silver Scarab's dead. Yes
1: and no. I think that Hawk girl shows up in one of the panels. And I think that is in the, the massive panel in the, the climactic moment.
0: Look, I just need the JSA back. That's all that was. They're coming back. <laughs> yes, but I need them now.
1: Well, you know,
0: I blamed idiot Those issues that have the
3: shade, that was an excellent storyline in that book, I thought.
0: Yeah. Which was which a surprise, because... I didn't love a lot of that tie-in stuff, you know, where he becomes the poison king or whatever at the end Sky of it. Sky Tyrant. Sky Tyrant. But yeah. anything with the shade, I'm 100% so, on board with.
1: It's awesome you bring that up, because, and this is where, like, again, like, this is the Vendetti strength, is
0: that whole
1: setup was really kind of forced in there, or felt forced, but he decided to take, essentially, um, you know, Sky Tyrant is the Hawkman of Earth 3, from the, you know, like, man and, the, you know that the evil just powering, yeah. and all those guys and he just runs with it he's like all right we're gonna put you in sky tyrant's body make you the antagonist for this ongoing story arc and i'm gonna use this to tell a, a really interesting story which should have been done by now but and that that's kind of like why i'm like focusing on the first 12 issues is the pandemic kind of messed up the timing on this like i saw somebody posting about hawkman 23 on twitter the other day i'm like is that the last one that came out, or the one that's coming out? Like I forgot. Yeah. I read this. It's the top of my read pile, and that's it's literally. I'm like, oh man, like, I've been unplugged from the one comic that I, I read rapidly, and that's just like that sucks. Yeah, the the Shade story leads into the Sky Tyrant, both really good. So even though Hitch is off the book, it keeps going, and so yeah, like start with the Hitch thing, and then keep going. Hawkman's for me the most consistent DC title in the last few years.
0: Yeah, it's really good. I think Venditti has some claim to being the new Roy Thomas in terms of working with those books and those characters. Yeah. I Also, I like, I like emo Carter Hall a lot more than I like asshole Carter Hall, so yes. I appreciate this reboot.
1: Yeah, I get why Johns took Carter in that direction, but, I mean, first of all, I, I love Kendra as Hawk Woman. Yeah. It's pretty much one of my favorite things to happen to the Hawkman mythology in forever, But yeah, like I got tired of Carter always being kind of an asshole. Even Peter David threw Aquaman some a bone and, and got him laid and killed him out for a bit.
0: Anything is better than the new fifty two Hawkman, so <laughs> whatever.
1: What? Well, what about the zero hour Hawkman? Where it was all of the Hawkman,
0: but not really. What whatever. <laughs> I still better. So so uh so Jar, what do you got for us what do you What are you reading these days?
3: Well, mostly old books, but the new book I'm bringing is Super Sons, specifically The Adventures of the Super Sons," which was the last 12 issue series that Tomasi wrote. You know cool. the um the Warner Brothers books, the crossovers with the d c. superheroes and the Warner Brothers characters, the Bugs Bunny and the Legion yeah. so Tomasi wrote the Super Sons and Blue Falcon and Dynomite. And that comic was awesome. I don't care what anybody says about the Warner Brothers books. That was a good story.
0: I've liked almost every one of those Warner Brothers books tie-ins I've read.
3: Most of the ones I've read I've liked. Yeah. So I read that and I went back and I got some of the Super Sons series and liked it a lot. And then this Adventures of Super Sons came out. I assume it's to finish a storyline he had been working on before Bendis came in or whatever. But the story in this 12-issue thing is they get taken away by this alien kid who's impersonating Lex Luthor and all the other aliens working with him are like DC villains. And it's just a fun story. And Peter Tomasi writes fun books that are easily enjoyed and relatable without a lot of pretense, a lot of baggage, or whatever you want to say. But the Super Sons books... I just like him. He writes with a lot of passion, and they're they're characters he's passionate about, and it comes through in the writing. So it's just something I really like out of recent DC books that it's got heart. And a lot of comics these days don't necessarily have heart or passion in them because of whatever reason. But Pete Tomasi's writing really comes through and especially in that book. I think I,
0: I have a few issues of it, but I haven't actually gotten around to reading them
3: they're just fun and you can just pick it up and read it There's, it's not heavy it's not as light as say some of the um like the wonder twins no, no knock against the wonder twins it's a, it's a fine story but it's it's a little light this is an entry level book that doesn't play down to the to a young reader so that that's my entry and i i've i've, I've talked to him at conventions about it he's a nice guy he's willing to talk to fans Spend some time with them. And he likes talking about these characters. So that, that's fun too.
2: So I, I was a big fan of his Superman stuff. I, I was not a huge Same. Superman fan in the past. And that they took Superman and made him the father figure for the DC Universe and then had John exploring his powers, um, which I think was just prior to the Super Sons book coming out. Um, yeah. And then the whole relationship with him and, and Damien. He's only 10, but he's taller than Damien, who's 13. And the two of them playing off each other like like brothers and kind of like fighting you know, back and forth, like bickering back and forth. It was fun. And then, like you said, he, there's genuine heart and yeah. soul in these characters. Uh, but it doesn't play down and it doesn't play, it doesn't dumb it up for anybody. You know, it's it's an all ages read. And that doesn't mean that it's it's a kid book. It means that any age can read this, any age can comprehend it, and any age will yeah. like get it. So so it, that's one of our favorite titles at the store to like throw at people. and. And check it out, it's a fun run, and like you said, he's a super nice guy, too.
3: I mean, him and Damien they could be brothers. I mean, the relationship is so well written, yeah. When they are bickering, to then when they say something nice, it, it feels like the way brothers talk. I sort of get that because I, I do have a brother, um, <laughs> but it, it, it's a, there's a genuine relationship. On, we're always
0: nice them. to each other, always, <laughs> always. I've never seen you guys bicker. <laughs>
1: mentioned his run on superman like first of all i'm obviously a huge fan of all ages content right Um, one of the things like uh that, that you guys kind of all mentioned is you talk about how you didn't like superman when you were a kid because it seemed too pat too easy and that's kind of the challenge of writing superman and you know i've been a superman fan for a very very long time but i've always had this theory where, like, when I was 12, I loved Batman, who's dark, gritty, and complex. In my 30s and 40s, I'm like, I love Superman because he's... The good Superman stories are so much harder to write, because it's challenging. So when you do write a good Superman story, you've overcome that challenge and unlock the power of Superman. And, and yeah. Tomasi Superman right? that, and you could tell with Superfunds, he gets it. He absolutely gets it with, you know, these characters, Jonathan and Damien. Like, yeah, no, he... Yeah, it's so much so. He had such a profound effect that a lot of people have issues with where jonathan's ended up these days yeah but one of
3: my favorite comics to come out in the last i don't know how many years is that superman issue with the county the county fair yeah Yeah. it's oh yeah it's a single story dynamite stuff it's well paced the art's beautiful his run on superman is one of the things i've enjoyed the most in recent years for sure
0: and I have it, but I've never read it because Jen is the Superman fan in the family.
3: Oh, just pick up an issue. I mean, you just yeah. pick one up and read it and have a good time for, you know, ten minutes. Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah, your wife's Ooh. got great taste.
1: Jake, I don't know what happened to you. <laughs>
0: hey. <laughs> I read. I read too many Vertigo books as a kid, and it ruined me.
1: It's just like you know, I'd go over your house or whatever, and I'd be like grab a comic to read while you're like. Off doing something or whatever. And it's like, you come down, it's like, oh, yeah, you're reading Jen's books. I'm like, how come I'm always reading her books and not yours?
0: (laughs) I can't answer that.
3: You've never Um, heard of the books Jake
0: likes. (laughs) Well, you've you've heard of the new one I brought, which is the the Terrifics.
1: Oh, yeah. So I. Solid choice.
0: Yeah. So I picked the Terrifics because I was thinking about, you know, why I like Booster Golden. The Terrifics kind of fit into that a little bit in that they're let's say B-level characters in the DC universe. And, you know, it's Metamorpho, Mr. Terrific, Phantom Girl, Plastic Man. And uh, first of all, read anything Plastic Man's in.
1: First of all, why'd they put those four characters together? Uh, Yeah. Well, it it
0: was, it's the only surviving book to come (laughs) out of, uh, steel, the steel or metal, rather the metal mini series. There was, I think there were six or seven books that came out of that and they just kind of petered out, but Terrific's kept going. And I think in part because of the level of creator they had on there, you know, Jeff Lemire and Jeff Lemire is one of those guys that I'll buy anything he does and at least give it a try. I'm not a huge Joker fan at this point, but I bought the Jeff Lemire Joker book because it's Jeff Lemire and I know it's going to be good. But I got terrifics on the strength of a lot of things and there's a lot, you know, they're all characters I like. I've always loved Metamorpho from, you know, reading Batman as the Outsiders as a kid and Plastic Man is a longtime favorite. And the book has that high adventure fun nature to it that the comics I grew up with had where it's not, you know, the stakes aren't always universe ending. There's not a ton of angst in it, but it's it's fun, exciting adventures each issue. And some of the people in involved, like Doc Shaner worked on it a bit and I, I love it Doc Shaner, another one of comics, truly nice people. But kind of the reason I finally picked him was issue 25, which came out and was one of my favorite single issues of any book in a long time. Uh, it's it's written by uh, Gene Luen Yang, Yang, Dan Mora drew it. And it's a choose your own adventure comic.
3: Had, I, had oh, any yeah. of you read it? Yes, I read it. It was awesome.
1: No, but I've heard a lot about it.
0: It's an actual choose-your-own-adventure with the panels going to different places. I died the first three times I tried to read the comic. I was terrible at it. I ended up cheating to get through it because I couldn't remember. I kept making the same mistake. I was really bad at choose-your-own-adventures as a kid. Uh, That hasn't gotten any better. That's funny. But doing a regular-sized comic as a choose-your-own-adventure, making it a fun story and engaging is, to my mind, is a pretty big achievement. But it fits with everything the book has done of just trying to be fun, trying to be high adventure, trying to bring back the spirit of, you know, seventies and eighties comics with sixties with like the sea devils or the challenges of the unknown.
1: Challenges of the unknown. You
0: know, and it's not making it not trying to do anything I don't want to say this in like a negative way, but not trying to do anything too innovative with the characters in the book, but just trying to tell the best story they can. And I think sometimes comics try to or some writers can get a little you know, trying to push boundaries or trying to do something that's never been done before. And sometimes if you just sit back and write a good comic story or fun superhero story, that's what really clicks because that's why half of us buy comics because we love superhero stories. And this is just a fun, good superhero story with different characters, and they've really done some good stuff with it. I will admit I didn't love the Bizarro storyline in part because I just, I feel like Bizarro is a great single issue character and he's a terrible six issue arc character. <laughs> and then they did a six issue arc with him and it, it was all right. Like it wasn't bad. I wasn't like, oh, this book, but it, it wasn't my favorite thing. But I love almost everything else the book has done.
3: Cool. It was a little forced, the year of the villain storyline. It was a little, it didn't fit with the rest of the series.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that some year of the
3: villain stuff felt that way, but i just you know yeah
0: a lot of the tie-in stuff that they they have to do to sell books i understand it and i understand how comics work these days but i don't know sometimes i just want a single issue where they play baseball like they used to do in the x-men stuff like that but i'm you know i'm old and cranky and whiny about stuff like that so
3: it's still a fun book though
0: yeah Uh, i highly highly recommend it for for superhero stuff today it's up there with like Hawkman and a lot of the other stuff dc is doing right now that i've really enjoyed
1: this has been such a pro dc podcast <laughs> yeah well you know i went
0: well part of it is Jar said yeah when we talked about this concept jared was like yeah just don't pick any vertigo books would you you know or horror <laughs> books well vertigo books, you know i've been loving right like now. like basket full of heads and the whole joe hill line is, has all been good and you know, stuff like "Something Is Killing the Children" was another one that I thought about, which is wow. a terrific comic.
1: Yes, Jason brought Outer Darkness. That's
0: pretty dark, super dark. Sorry, but, I love Outer it Darkness. Fun. It's amazing.
2: Wr- written by uh, John Lehman, who's the same guy behind uh, Chew. If you ever read Chew, yeah,
0: yeah. In fact, uh, I read it. I read a couple issues of it. It's fun.
2: In fact, they're yeah. crossing over with Chew right now. So I, the, they, the, so, first, wow. the first issue of the crossover between Outer Darkness and Chew happened right before this whole thing blew up and, and stores had to close. So the second issue is coming out. Uh, if you want to get pro-Marvel, Captain Marvel, the, the actual Captain Marvel title, has been yeah. fantastic since the the last relaunch. There, there was The Life of Captain Marvel, which was a four-issue miniseries, and then her series, which came out. The covers are by Amanda Connor, and usually I'm a huge Amanda Connor fan, amazing. but well, so I'm on the other side of it. I think the interior yeah. art is better than the covers. And and I wish that the the interior artist would do the covers. But the last arc was uh, I'm not going to tell you how, but she turns on the Avengers and she has to take them out one by one, and she does, and and it's pretty awesome.
1: Does Batman help her do it because he has a secret dossier on how to take out every Avenger?
2: Well, can can,
1: <laughs> can, I, can
2: I spoil it? Did you want me you want me to tell you guys?
1: Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, go for it.
2: So so uh, it's it's another one of those stories that just starts. They don't tell you how, but there is a character, a villain from. His name is Vox Supreme, who was uh, an was Inhumans bad Asian? guy. Well, yeah, yeah, and and he uh, he's a combination of characters, but he puts her in a suit that he controls, and she has to. And he says, "Bring me the heads, or kill all the Avengers, and bring me proof, or I'm going to start blowing up these bombs that are uh, set in Cree settlements. I'm just going to like kill a bunch of Cree." So she has to go and take out all the Avengers. The last one that she tries to take out is is Captain America, and Cap is just standing there, you know. And I think he tells her, "Okay, like, so you're doing this for a reason." She said, "Yeah, And he goes, "All right, you're an Avenger. I trust you." And he puts a shield down. He goes, "Hit me!" Like, so he comes up and knocks him out. But I was like, "Cool for Cap, man. Way to trust. Way to not like drag it out for a whole fight issue." Uh, but yeah, man, she she bests everybody. I'm not going to tell you like how she kills them or or whatever how they come back to life but it's awesome it's not what you think and the last uh and that story arc is uh drawn by a guy named lee garbit yeah, uh, i'm yeah. a huge fan of his he was on he was on loki he, he's been he's been all over marvel H- his art reminds me of uh Raphael albuquerque really cool series man um th- there's great stuff coming out from marvel too i just didn't oh, yeah, i've really enjoyed
0: good. the x books right now
2: yeah yeah uh, i love it uh, right um,
0: so i've been reading
1: Cap marvel pretty regularly um and I really liked the the first story arc. The oh that the Asgardian war thing was kind of weird. It just seemed to happen in like
0: the middle of a the story War of the Realms.
1: War of the Realms, yeah. yeah. I, I enjoyed that. Doctor I bought Train it for the Switch Art Adams bodies. covers,
0: and then really liked the comic.
1: No, no, I mean the Cap Marvel issue where her and Doctor Strange oh. switched bodies for like the <sighs> yeah. story arc. That was weird. I was like, "Where's this coming from?" Like, let's get back to like that planet she was on and Jessica drew and all that. And then picked right back up and introduced star and kept going. It's like, all right, we're back to normal. But, um, yeah, I've been reading That
0: used, um, used to happen to me all the time when X factor was the only Marvel book I was reading. Yep. Two out of every 12 issues for a year made no sense to me because I wasn't reading whatever crossover they were in.
1: Yeah. Uncanny X-Men. Like I haven't been a regular X-Men reader since the 1990s and Hickman, thing brought me back, and Uncanny I've stuck with, and it's been fun. It's just been absolute fun. I mean, Hickman being Hickman with X characters, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know where this is going, so I'm going to keep reading. So that's been that's been cool. And Black Cat, I've been reading, and that issue where she goes on a date with batrock is actually very <laughs> well written and clever.
2: Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, I like that as well. Very
1: clever. But um, yeah, I mean, Marvel's putting out some stuff. For me, it's like, oh, I'll buy some of this or I'll buy some of that. And then they just don't come back after a couple of weeks. And then, you know, like, other stuff catches my eye, but um, yeah, I think one of the things its weird, are there any Marvel books where the interior artist actually draws the cover?
2: I'm sorry, say that again?
1: Are there any Marvel books where the interior artist actually draws the cover? It's pretty rare.
2: Francis uh, Lennial you
0: with the X-Men stuff. Give me a moment. Yeah, right? Well, uh, it's hard to find I, that. But that's, other than, like, creator own books and you know some image stuff. It seems like that's pretty rare in general for the interior artist to be doing the covers.
1: DC does it more often. Yeah. The interior artist is drawing the covers of Legion, Wonder Twins, NFS. Well, well,
3: Marvel Justice, does a lot more with Hawkman, alternate covers Hawkman, and all Man, those other things than DC Batman, does too. Superman.
2: I, I, I fully disagree DC with that. Comics. I think I think DC has a variant cover for every title that comes out.
1: Yeah.
3: That's yeah, what they no, do. It's,
1: it's a variant
2: right cover
3: with everything. But it seems like Marvel has multiple variants for a lot of their books where DC just has the two. In terms of dealer incentives and things like that too.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Dealer incentives, the king of dealer incentives is Valiant. That's a
0: good point. <laughs> I mean, come on, a glass cover? Does every D C book really have an alternate cover? Yeah.
3: Pretty
2: much. Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, pretty pretty much. much, yeah. That seems excessive.
2: Yeah.
3: Things like that don't come out regularly, like Shazam, and maybe some of the other books don't necessarily, but yeah. most do.
1: Eagle draws a lot of the uh, Shazam covers,
3: but yeah, and I think that's what it is.
1: is there's a variant. Like, it's weird. It's gotten kind of to the point where like, I'm collecting Hawkman, and I don't really care which cover I get just because I want to read the story. Like, it's not like, the variant doesn't affect my buying decision.
0: Yeah, right? no, not for me either.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like All right, good. I don't know. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm so sorry.
1: Yeah, I there's some fun stuff from Marvel and there's yeah, there's a ton of independence out there I'm reading. I
3: like, I buy um, the Conan books. Those are fun. Yeah. They they feel like Conan stories. I still get Daredevil. I like Daredevil. The the current storyline with the yep. Owl and the Kingpin. It's been have always liked Daredevil. Yeah, Someday you guys are going to have to explain to me how
1: Conan became an Avenger.
3: I don't read those. <laughs> Because they look, cool, I have a what if, but <laughs>
1: it's just silly. I haven't read any of them. I feel it's like I missed silly. it. Like to go back and collect it, I'd have to go back and buy all these back issues that are now hard to find.
3: Yeah,
0: hard pass. Yeah, I, I have enjoyed the Conan coming out. Or at least one. The, I've been reading one of them. I don't remember which one. Savage Sword, I think.
1: Yeah, Cosmic Ghost Rider, when he destroyed the Marvel Universe, was a fun six issue mini that I love It's it's probably one of the best Punisher comics ever.
0: This has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed talking comics with you guys. Yeah. Absolutely, man.
3: It was a good time.
0: Thank you. Thank you for coming on, Jer. And thank you for coming on, Jason. Ah, thank you. Thank you for having me. We're going to have to do this again. Maybe make it a regular thing because I like talking about comics. I do. Too. I'm up for it. Y-
2: you guys fill a lot of the holes that I have in comics. So this is fantastic.
0: Nice. Oh, plus I
3: get that.
2: You fill all my holes is what I said. Go ahead. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I got a new comic out of this. I got to go buy Murder Falcon. Sounds awesome.
2: Yeah, me too. It's a lot of fun. Uh, he, th- that artist is right now working on one of the DC Black Label books. It's the Wonder Woman
0: one. I can't think of it now, but oh, yeah,
1: he, he's he's I doing think, that right yeah. now. Yeah.
0: I can't oh, think oh. of the name. Boy, that Black Label Question is another really good book. Sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean that Excellent. one. Oh my god! Like Dennis Cowan, Bill Sienkiewicz, oh. like
0: so wow. good, fun story. Yeah. We're waiting for If on you on haven't been reading that, get that right? Yeah third third, yeah. third fourth i don't know all right, dead we'll, we'll,
1: earth, we'll... right yeah that one dead wonder woman dead earth dead earth yeah yes
0: Yep. well thanks guys we'll we'll have this out soon i really appreciate everybody coming in and to all listeners we're going to start doing podcasts hopefully a little bit more regularly than we've been we took a break for obvious reasons and we're just now figuring out how to do this remotely like, for the instance, this recording, none of us are in the same house, so this is all remote, which is why it's going to sound a little bit different from the previous ones. But, yeah, hopefully we'll start doing this probably every two weeks again, maybe a bit shorter than our last one, which I think was five hours about movies, which was a lot. Oh my God. Uh, so, yeah, so. most of them in 2019? Again, I'm Jake. We have Steve from Oddity Prodigy. It's Jared, Hello. who does comics, comics, comics.blog, and as well as the Claremont to Claremont podcast. And then we have Jason who works at Captain Blue Hens and all around great guy and hey. Philadelphia Union fan. Yay!
2: Go union. Dupe.
0: Go union. Go union. <laughs> so as we as we say in the union fandom, dupe. That's right. That's right, guys. All right. Thanks. Keep it up. All right. Thanks, everybody.